Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Good morning Christopher. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Christopher. Uh-huh. Good morning, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Anybody from Colorado in the house? Sally's on the call. Colorado's in the house. Colorado's in the house. That's Rachel. How are you doing, Rach? Ken's in the house. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Tony Shelby. Good morning, Tony. Good morning, Vicky. We got anybody from Pueblo on the call? Anybody from Pueblo on the call? Anybody from Denver? How about anybody from Little Rock, Arkansas on the call? Yes, we're here. Good morning, good morning. Anybody from Torrance? Torrance in the house. Torrance in the house. Torrance in the house. Elizabeth Paul on the phone. Nicole Murray. Good morning, Nicole. Good morning, Nicole. Barbara Williams. Good morning, Delilah's on the call. Good morning, Delilah. Good morning, Christopher. And it says 80% of her value in the fixed account. So I get like maybe... 80% of the value is in the fixed account? You're kidding me. not what it's looking like. It's only got like 40 bucks total. Hey, Daniel Holt. Daniel Holt, either mute yourself or join us on the call, please. We appreciate you teaching us about index annuities. That's not really the purpose of today's call, though. All right, guys. How's everybody doing this morning? Good? Outstanding. Hey, I want to talk to you guys a little bit this morning about priorities, about priorities. Um, just as I'm talking with and coaching and getting feedback from different people throughout the hierarchy in different offices, there's just little things showing up that I want to sort of be able to, here's what I believe to be true. And as your team grows, I want you to just sort of be aware of this. They say awareness is the first step to change. Oftentimes, if you have a person or two in your base shop, on your team, in your office, that's asking questions or having problem with a certain step of the system or a certain activity or certain skill set or certain understanding of the way things work, oftentimes that's representative of many more people that are experiencing the same thing but simply haven't voiced a concern yet, asked a problem, don't even know they have a problem with it. So as I've been talking to different people throughout the hierarchy, I'm seeing some things that sort of keep showing up, and so I want to talk to you about them, whether they apply to you or maybe they just apply to some people on your team. And, and really that has a lot to do with priorities. I'm going to assume for the purposes of today's call that you're a full-time agent on the team or what I would call quasi-full-time. Quasi-full-time is – those people who may have another source of income, they may be working another job 20, 30, even 35 hours a week, but they spend 20 hours a week or more at WFG. So they may not be full-time, but they're spending more than the average part-timer sort of at WFG. So this call sort of for you. Whether you're part-time or full-time, I think it applies because your priorities, whether you have a lot of time to work WFG or just a little bit of time to work WFG, they're pretty much the same. 
And so part part of it has to do with what are my priorities activity-wise, and then part of it has to do with what are my priorities really from a mindset or a goal-setting perspective. And the reason that I say that is that um, I, I've, just, I've seen recently more and more part-timers that have gone from part-time to spare time, that have sort of like their meeting commitment has waned, their amount of calling has dropped off, their accountability on a nightly basis has dropped off. And here's what that's usually representative of. Usually it's representative of a lack of confidence and a lack of skills. In other words, I see I hear leaders oftentimes complaining that their people don't do enough, they're not making enough calls, they're not accountable enough, they're at a phone zone, they're not even really trying, uh, whatever the case might be. We, that tends to be symptomatic of not them being lazy, not them being unmotivated or inspired, not even necessarily them being distracted. It tends to be representative of them lacking the confidence and the skills. In other words, if I know that if I'm making 15 or 20 calls a day, that I'm going to be creating guests and appointments, and those guests and appointments are going to lead to new recruits and, uh, and sales where I'm going to earn money, then I, even if I'm busy at work, even if I'm working 40 or 50 hours a week, even if I've got responsibilities in the home, whether it's um, you know to my family, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a mom and I've got responsibilities as a wife and as a mother, whether it's a, you're, you're a man and you've got responsibilities outside of work, in the home, or in your church, or whatever the case might be, busy people get things done. In other words, there's an old saying, if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person. Because busy people have a way of getting things done, getting their priorities done. It's people that don't have a lot going on, there's a reason they don't have a lot going on. And oftentimes, it's a lack of self-confidence and a lack of self-motivation. It's not that they don't want better things, they just don't believe they're in control or they can get better things by putting forth an effort. So it's easier to sort of be distracted into Netflix or social media or whatever the case might be. So um, when we have, maybe this applies to some of you. Maybe some of you are sort of going through the motions or your the amount of prospecting or calls that you're making has sort of dwindled or it's sort of reached a plateau and you're sort of going through the motions to check the boxes. Um, that's oftentimes a symptom of either your skills aren't strong enough, or you don't have enough confidence in your skills. And so how do we go about fixing those things? Well, one is we work with a leader or a mentor. In other words, the, the importance of accountability is not just reporting our numbers, but the importance of accountability is getting feedback on our numbers and then understanding our ratios and understanding what's working and what's not working for us so that we can make adjustments. Um, you know, what, what, one of the persons who's become – extremely coachable over the past few months in my base shop is Warner Trejo. And Warner is constantly growing and hitting a new plateau, hitting his head against a new barrier, a new plateau, getting frustrated, and then sharing with me what's happening. And then I'll walk him through and talk him through, okay, here's how you get through this next barrier. Here's how you get to the next level. And then he'll get through the current level, and then he'll hit a new barrier. And then we'll walk through that together. But He's, he's, he's constantly taking the coaching, applying it, working his way through this step, and then, he's, and then he's sort of getting to the next level and bumped his head a little bit. So there's two ways that we really learn. I was doing an interview this week with a guy, 
And he talked about, you know, the school of hard knocks and the school of experience and life's experiences and what a great teacher it is. And that is a teacher, but really the best teacher is other people's experiences. The best teacher is when we have leaders or mentors who are farther along than us and, and have a better understanding of how to get there. Clearly, like, Nikki Cannon is far ahead of everybody else in the Torrance office. So, like, if I was in the Torrance office, whether I was a training associate, an MD, or an SMD, like, I would constantly be in Nikki's ear. I'd want to be the one that was closest to Nikki and had the best relationship because she's the one who not only has a vested interest in my success, but she's so much farther ahead than anybody else in that office right now that she has a much better understanding and clear perspective on things. If I was in the Colorado office, it would be Mark. Mark is so much farther ahead than anybody else in that office, whether I'm a training associate, a senior associate, or an SMD with my ring. I want to get feedback from him. I want to have the strongest and closest relationship with him. When you look at my career, my career benefited from I was in an office with Ed Milet for my early years, and then from that point forward, for the majority of my career, I shared an office with Dan Charlier. I was an SMD. I was an EMD. I was the MVP of the company. I was a top 10 in base shop recruiting. I was top 10 in base shop production at the company convention for a year in the company. I was uh, a CEO. I was a quarter-million-dollar earner. And yet for all of those stages – I shared an office with Dan, and for all of those years, I was closer to Dan than anybody else in our offices was. Why? Because my ego didn't get in the way of me wanting to get better. Dan always had a way of, I always knew we had a great relationship, but I was yet in a respectful way, always on my toes. Because I always knew he was going to ask where I was. There was always a possibility he would ask me, where are you at? What's your numbers? Who, what's going on with this person? What's going on with that person? She just, just yesterday we were on the phone about somebody, and he started uh, asking me detailed questions on their individual numbers. And quite frankly, I didn't know them well enough. Now, this was somebody three generations deep to me, but the fact of the matter was I should have been more prepared for that conversation that I had with Dan. And that's healthy for me. I, I didn't get off the phone. I wasn't pissed at him. I didn't, my ego wasn't bruised. I didn't think that he was being unfair. Uh, I didn't think that he was overstepping his bounds or we weren't friends anymore because, like, those were fair and important questions that he was asking me related to my business. And if I was truly on my game, I would have known the answers. I wouldn't have had to look them up after the call. So uh, we all, like in different areas, need to grow and sort of take things to the next level. And so getting feedback or mentoring or coaching can really, really help. Um, so I want to just sort of talk about what are our priorities. Here's your number one priority in WFG, in my opinion, part-time or full-time. <clears throat> and you better master this as a part-timer before you go full-time. Otherwise, your full-time career is going to be very inconsistent and very difficult with us. So you better master this as soon as possible. Too many people get caught up mastering other skills and other parts of the business and avoid mastering this one. You better master your ability to get wide. Let me say that again. Your number one priority should be width. You can't taproot a leg that you haven't started. You can't have rabbits in legs that you haven't started. You can't promote SMDs out of legs that have not gotten started. 
<clears throat> you can't build generational width or a big hierarchy in legs that you haven't started. You can't have a, a base shop doing double-digit recruiting for you if you haven't started the legs that are necessary to get to double-digit recruiting. So your number one priority is width. You, your number one focus on a daily basis should be your per personal guest count and the number of one-on-ones that you're scheduling. How many personal guests did I confirm today? How many one-on-ones did I set up? How many one-on-ones did I have for recruiting purposes? That should be your number one priority every day. And you need to develop that habit and that mindset as early in your career as possible. And if you're a leader and you've got new recruits on your team, you need to help them establish that as their number one priority, their number one focus early on in their career. And the best way that you can establish that as a priority is by you setting the example for them in your focus and in your activities and in your behavior and what you talk about, right? You have to learn how to do this. This is a learned skill. Nobody was born and the doctor turned them upside down, spanked them on the butt, you breathe your first breath, you started crying, and, and, and the doctor stamps you on the butt. This one doesn't recruit. All of you have the ability to recruit. It's, the question is, do you have the skills? Do you know how to do it? Have you, have, you got, have you mastered the skills? Quite frankly, it's a way easier skill to master than making a personal sale, than doing a fast start appointment, than uh, doing a general training, than doing the BPM. It's a much easier skill to master. But we have many full-time employees, many full-time agents, many full-time leaders that have not mastered this skill. Rich Dolly has said for years the barometer is 25. 25 direct recruits are more per year, and you can grow your business. 25 direct recruits are less per year, and you're not growing, you're not maintaining. You're either growing or dying, and 25 is the magic number. If you're not yet an SMD or you're only an SMD and you've not yet promoted any SMDs, you've got to be at 25 plus. You have to be at 25 plus. If you're planning on growing your base shop, if you're planning on hitting SMD or your ring, if you're planning on going from 100 to 250, if you're planning on producing independent SMDs, that's got to be your number one focus. When I spend time on the phone today, how many new guests did I confer, invite and confirm? How many new one-on-ones did I set up? This is your primary responsibility. Here's the thing. I want you to hear this loud and clear. Write this in your notes. Nobody can do this for you. Nobody can get direct recruits for you. I remember we had an SMD in our office last year, and she tried to hire telemarketers to make cold calls for her to set up guests and one-on-ones. <laughs> and you can just guess how that worked out for you. Like she lit like nobody can do this for you. You can't pay somebody else to do it for you. You can't trick somebody else into doing it for you. You can't run a contest for somebody else to do it for you. You can't promise somebody a promotion if they'll do it for you. You've got to do it for you. That's the essence of leadership. Leaders, leaders are people who do it first. You've got to do it. You've got to master it. You've got to get to a point where recruiting is easy and fun and enjoyable, where it's all you think about, where you're thinking about recruiting people all the time, where it's constantly on your mind. You're constantly having those conversations wherever you happen to go. So here's what your minimum is. I want you to think about how ridiculously low this is, ridiculously low. And if you can't miss the, uh, master this ridiculously low number, then, well, here's the fact of the matter. You can. It's not a matter of can you develop the skills or not. It's a matter of will you develop the skills or not. 
not a matter of can you do the activity necessary. It's a matter of will you do the activity necessary. Are you going to have to wait till your back is against the wall till financially, like your back is against the wall and you're in jeopardy of losing everything, like you're behind on things, like you're running out of savings, or are you going to decide like, hey, man, I'm so focused on getting to 50 grand and 100 grand and 250 and 500 and 750 that I'm going to master this now. I'm going to be the best direct recruiter in my base shop, in my office, in this hierarchy, in the synergy hierarchy. I'm going to be one of the best in the company. And so let's break down the numbers because I was reviewing with one of our top leaders the numbers just a week ago, and they were unclear as to what the numbers are. Here's what the numbers are. Of your confirmed guests, I want you to write this down because too many of us aren't clear on this. On your, of your confirmed guests, not invited guests, guests that have been confirmed, 30% will show. So if as a base shop you have 100 confirmed guests, 100 not invited guests, but 100 confirmed guests, 30 of those guests will actually show, 70 will not show. Of the 70 that don't show, if you're running a tight base shop with a good follow-up system in place, you should set appointments with 50% of the 70 that don't show. 50% of the 70 that don't show every meeting, every week, should have follow-up appointments, one-on-ones, KTPs, ASAP appointments. That's the number if you're running your base shop tight. Of the 30% that do show, Somewhere in the neighborhood probably of 70, 80, 90% of the people that show as guests will say they're coming back for an interview. The reality of it, the number is 50%. 50% of your of, will come back for an interview. So let's break this down. If you had 100 confirmed guests, 30% showed. That's 30 guests showed. 50% of those 30 will come back for an interview. That's 15 guests coming back for interviews. Now, of the individuals that come back for interviews, 75% of the people that interview will get AMA'd with money and get fast started. So 75% of the 15 guests that interviewed is 12 new recruits, 12 new recruits. Of the 70% that didn't show, if you set appointments, one-on-ones, ASAPs with 50% of those 70, that should be 35, 35 appointments in the field. If you're in warm markets, what do we do? If you're in warm markets, here's what I recommend you do. Let's say, so we had a, uh, we had a super BPM with Dan this past Saturday, right? <clears throat> we had a bunch of people from warm markets that were confirmed guests and did not show. Here's the conversation that I'm having with them. Let's say I'm field training Nikki Cannon. They were Nikki Cannon's warm market guests. Let's say it was uh, Nikki and Ramon Jaren that were the, her warm market guests that were confirmed to come to the Super BPM Saturday but did not show. As Nikki's field trainer, I'm calling them and say, hey, Ramon, this is Christopher with Transamerica. I work here with uh, Nikki Cannon. How are you? hey, listen, I see that we had you listed as a confirmed guest for Saturday morning's meeting, and I know Nikki was really looking forward to seeing you here and introducing you to our leadership team. Uh, I understand that you weren't able to make it for whatever reason, and quite frankly, uh, I'm, I'm sort of glad that you didn't make it. Saturday morning was such a huge success, and we had so many people here that if you did show, I, I'm not sure if we would have had enough seats um, so it was sort of a blessing in disguise that you didn't show. 
I do know this. Um, Nikki was really excited to get the information to you that was going to be shared on Saturday morning. Her and I are going to be out in your area running appointments both on Monday night and on Tuesday night. Which of those two evenings would be best for Nikki and I to pop by and spend about 25 or 30 minutes with you and just share some of the ideas and some of the brochures that um, you would have gotten a chance to see on Saturday morning? So what I'm doing in that is I'm, A, acknowledging the fact that they didn't show. B, I'm letting them know what a big deal they missed out on. A, that she was disappointed because she was looking forward to introducing them to certain people, right? And B, that it was a huge success that we had so many people there that it was almost good they didn't show, which makes them feel like they missed out on something. It makes them second-guess their decision to miss the meeting or flake. Third, I'm not re-inviting them to a new meeting. They already proven to me that they're flake. I'm going to bring the meeting to them. The lazy way is just re-invite them. Hey, can you come this Tuesday or next Saturday? Um, I'm going to take the meeting to them. Why? Because our business is a one-on-one business supported by a meeting system. What do I mean by that? That when they don't show up to the meeting, I'm making it a one-on-one. I'm taking the meeting to them. Whether I take it to them as a one-on-one or I take it to them as an ASAP appointment, I'm taking the meeting to them. Why? Because I know to build a business here, I'm going to have to work. And the hard work that I'm going to do is making lots of calls and running lots of appointments. So I'm not like too lazy or uninspired to, to avoid running that ASAP or one-on-one because, oh, my goodness, Ramon and Nikki live all the way in Riverside. I don't know that I want to drive all that way there. Heck, yes. I want to fill my, I want to fill my Monday night, my Wednesday night, my Thursday night, my Friday night, my Saturday afternoon. I want to fill it with appointments. And so one of the easiest ways to do that is the confirmed guest that didn't show, I book those appointments back-to-back, and I'm out in – the other thing I'm letting them know in that conversation is I'm already going to be out in your area. I'm already – I'm not making a special trip. I'm already going to be out in your area, and I know how important it is to Nikki, leveraging Nikki's credibility, that we sit down and get a chance to share with you some of the information that you would have gotten on Saturday morning. Now, if it's somebody in my warm market and I've got credibility and I'm good enough on the phones, I'm going to have basically the same conversation. Hey, Nikki, it's Flamel. What's going on? Hey, look, I, I know that you had confirmed uh, with us to be there Saturday morning for that um, corporate overview that was so important to me, and I was disappointed you weren't able to make it, Nick, but I understand things come up. Hey, listen, the reason that I'm calling is I'm going to be out in your area um, with my field trainer on Monday night and again on Tuesday night. I was just hoping to pop by for about 25, 30 minutes, sit down with you and Kermit and share some of the ideas and share some of the information that you would have received on Saturday morning. Which, which of those nights will be better for the two of you? Would Monday night be better or Tuesday? Uh, I think Tuesday would be better. Great. Like, er, What's the earliest I could pop by? What, what time will you both be home for work? And what's the latest that I could sort of pop by before you guys go to bed? Well, we don't get home until 6 usually and we're usually up till about 9.30 or 10. Great. I'll probably be there towards the second half, sometimes between 8 and 10. I've got like four appointments in that area. I'll text you that evening to give you a, a, a firmer time. Is that good? Great. And so 50% of those people that don't show, I need to be converting into one-on-ones and ASAP appointments. Uh, of, of the people that do show, understand the ratio. Of the guests that do show, 50% will come back for an interview. 
75% of the people that interview should be AMA'd with money and get fast started. So those are important ratios to track to understand whether or not, like, the number, there's something wrong with my numbers. In other words, one of those steps I'm doing a poor job with, or is it normal variation and I'm just not running enough numbers? In other words, are my, my ratios are pretty decent. I'm just not inviting enough people. I'm not confirming enough people. I don't know enough people coming back for interviews. So if you look at your weekly schedule, and we're saying with your personal recruiting is the number one priority, I want you to just think about how easy this is if you really make this your priority. <clears throat> if you have two personal confirmed guests a week, not a meeting, a week, not a meeting, a week, two personal confirmed guests a week times four weeks in a month equals eight confirmed guests a month, ding, 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 winner, winner, chicken dinner. If you have eight confirmed guests a month, oh, bad, 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 bad. <laughs> I did my numbers <laughs> I forgot a critical step. My bad. My bad. Let me reverse engineer it real quick. Divided by 0. 0.75. Divided by 0. 0.5. Divided by 0. 0.3. Okay, there we go. There we go. My bad. You need four confirmed guests. Four confirmed guests a week. So that's about two per meeting. Four confirmed guests per meeting is 16 confirmed guests a month. 16 confirmed guests a month is 4.8. I think that's safe to round it up to 5. 4.8 actual guests a month. Uh, if half of those people come back for interviews and then three-quarters of those people sign on, you should wind up with two directs a month. So 16 confirmed guests a month or four confirmed guests a week should get you a minimum of two actual direct recruits a month. So that should be one of you, that should be your highest priority each day and each week. I've got to have at least four personal confirmed, not invited, confirmed, solid confirmed guests each and every week. That's where the whole business flows from. Personal uh, personal appointments. We were always taught when Nikki and Jim and Lori and I were coming up in the base shop. We were always taught. You want to have a minimum of 13, 13 KTPs scheduled per week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever nights you're not at a BPM, Friday nights, Saturday afternoons. I used to run appointments oftentimes at 6 or 7 o'clock on a Sunday evening. I'd run a couple of appointments if I needed to. <clears throat> but you need to be scheduling 13 uh, KTPs a week, kitchen table presentations a week. Why? because you're going to have cancellations and reschedules. If you have 13 scheduled a week, you're going to get five that are going to cancel or reschedule on you. So you might have 13 and your schedule looks totally booked. You're going to wind up probably running eight appointments. Of the eight appointments that you run, you're going to probably have three or four that either the trainee doesn't have credibility, the, the prospect is just completely out of the market or has had a bad experience or just isn't interested, and so you're not going to get second appointments on those. And so you're going to have maybe three or four, five of your really good and your better markets, five of those 13, four, maybe five of those 13 appointments you had scheduled are going to be appointments that you can actually go back and do a data collect on and move the process forward or move the client to a BPM. 
So you need to, here's the challenge. If you only schedule seven appointments this week, you're still going to probably have four or five that cancel or reschedule, so you're going to wind up running two, and you're going to be broke, right? You need to put a lot of pressure on yourself to schedule four or five or six confirmed guests a week, and then you need to put a lot of pressure on yourself to have 13-plus confirmed KTPs a week. So you need to be running on average at least 20 units of activity per week to cover both the number of confirmed guests that you're going to need as well as the number of KTPs that you're going to need on a weekly basis. Out of that, you'll be writing probably on average about two apps a week, two to three apps a week. And I think somebody who's really building a base shop and building a big base shop is going to be writing two to three apps a week on average, you're going to be writing 8 to 12 apps a month. What do those apps typically look like? Typically, they're two to $300 a month IULs. Typically, they're 25 to $75 a month term sales. You're going to be writing two to three of those a week, 8 to 12 a month. And when you've got that kind of consistency and momentum where your activities are consistently high, where you consistently got four, five, six confirmed guests, every week where you consistently are setting 13 plus KTPs a week, you're very busy, you've got enough guests, enough one-on-ones, enough KTPs that you're dealing with that you're not trying to convince anybody. Your activities are high, so your skills are high. Your activities are high, so your confidence level is high. Your activities are high so that your energy level is neutral. You've got a great sense of indifference. You want, you want to recruit everybody, but you don't need anybody. You want to sell everybody, but you don't need anybody to buy. Why? Because you're in control of creating so much activity that you don't need any one person to do anything. You're not dependent on a big sale of $500 or $1,000 a month IUL. You're not out there needing $100,000, $150,000, $200,000 rollover. Why? Because you've got so, many, so much activity and you've got so many small apps that you're consistently closing. And when you're writing lots of small apps, $25, $50, $75 terms, uh, two three hundred dollar a month IULs. When you're writing a lot of those apps, your confidence levels high, your skills are high. You're really in in the zone. And when you're submitting eight to twelve a week, or eight to twelve apps a month, um, then you're then you're you're going to consistently be growing this thing. Here's the thing: it, 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 there's got to be a balance really between growth and retention. of you that I'm talking to on the phone right now need to focus on growth more than you do retention. I had a great leader last week ask me about retention and what else they could be doing to retain more of their people. Um, Are there more things they could be doing to retain? Of course, there's more things that we could all be doing to retain, but their issue is not a retention issue. It's a growth issue. They're not even averaging five recruits a month in their, in their team, in their base shop. So if you're not even averaging five recruits a month in your team, you're, you've got to put all of your focus on growth, not on retention. Like, you don't even need to worry about retention if you're doing five recruits or less a month because you, you don't have enough quantity coming in to know if you're even retaining the right people or not. At five to ten recruits a month, consistently, that, that's where you start paying attention to the balance between growth and retention. In other words, you don't want to have five, six, eight, nine recruits, ten recruits coming in a month and not be retaining a decent percentage of them. What does it look like at ten? At ten, you're going to have one 
maybe two rabbits, but likely if you're doing 10 base shepherd cooch, it's likely to be one. You're going to have two to three decent people that are sort of average go-getters, average starters, average meeting attendance, average um, guest counts, average number of ASAP appointments set up. You're going to have another uh, two, maybe three that are slow starters, and you're going to have three, maybe four that are going to sort of sign and die or quit in the first few weeks. So it's, re- so it's really important at 5 to 10 that you're probably lopsided much more towards growth than you are retention, but you're paying attention to your ratios. You're paying attention to how, what you're doing to keep it. You're paying attention to your fast start appointments. You're paying attention to how many, uh, how many appointments you're setting up for them, both in the field and how many guests you're confirming. Um, the really, your, your overwhelming focus, though, is your personal with two to three a month, four a month, and then getting to double-digit recruiting consistently. Like, don't fool yourself in thinking that something else in your business needs to be fixed if you're not averaging two to three directs a month and if you're not a double-digit recruiting. It's, you don't need more product knowledge. You don't need to be on more webinars learning about more products. You don't need to go to more of these free lunches that product providers are putting on where you waste three or four hours out of your day driving there, having some big fat lunch, sitting there for hours listening to stuff that you don't even have enough clients to worry about. You know it's a good time to really get um, um, to really learn about a product when you have a client that needs one. But spending all this time learning about products in advance and not having any clients to see or not having enough clients to see is really putting the cart before the horse. Then you come back from this big lunch that a product provider puts on and you're full because you ate like it was the last supper and you're unmotivated to do any real work. Um, spend less time at those. Spend less time on webinars. Spend less time researching things. Spend less time underwriting. More and more of your time has to be you getting four-plus confirmed guests a week and you setting up 13 kitchen tables. When, when Nikki and I and Jim and Lori got started, we didn't have baseline units of activity. What we did have was new units of activity, and our focus on a daily basis, all we ever heard about was you need between three to five new units of activity per week. Here's, here's where that comes in. Baseline is a great way of helping you to build the habit of making calls on a daily basis and being consistent. It's fantastic at that. Here's where some people get a little bit delusional about baseline, though, is they think as long as I got my 20 or 25 or 30 points or as long as I got my 40 or 50 or 60 points today, I'm good. And some people will go for weeks, in some cases longer months, of hitting their daily baseline units and checking the box and feeling like I did okay with that, and yet they're not generating any units of activity. It's all messages being left. It's all voicemails. It's all conversations, and they weren't able to close anybody. Like, you can be doing baseline units of activity daily and weekly. If you're not creating new units of activity, you're not doing it right. You need feedback from a leader. You need a coach to be listening to you making the calls, to study the ratios with you, to to look at who you're calling. Are you calling bad groups of prospects or good groups of prospects? What are you saying when you call them? You need somebody to help you really take a look at that stuff and help you get things to the next level. If you schedule three units of activity a day and you do that six days a week, that's 18 units of activity. Well, what did we say earlier? You need at least four confirmed guests 
and at least 13 KTPs. Four plus 13 is 17. If you're scheduling three units of activity a day times six days a week, you're right there. You're at 18. Um, we used to say three to five. Like a better day is four or five units of activity. I want to overbook my schedule. Why? So I can give away matchup to other uh, people on my team or in my base shop. And if I can't do that, if I don't have anybody that's validated, I want to I want to I want to schedule other matchup outside of my base shop. And maybe I just have somebody in my base shop go with them so that I can continue to get people certified and qualified and validated inside of my base shop. But here's the bottom line. You have to be meeting with people every single day. You have to be meeting with new people every single day. Here's another challenge with baseline. I'm seeing people throughout the hierarchy, and, yeah, they're putting in their 40 or 50 points, and they're spending all damn day doing it. It's literally they come in in the morning, and at some point in the morning they start making calls, and they're pretty much making calls up until 4 or 5 or 6 o'clock when they leave, and they make their 40 or 50 points, but they didn't really schedule any units of activity, and they didn't meet with anybody new that day, and then they're going home. That, that's, that our job is not a telemarketing job. You don't get paid to simply make a certain number of calls per day. You've got to be creating new units of activity. So here's the way your day should be structured. It's three mini days. Ed talked about it on one of his podcasts. We've been talking about it since the origins of this company. And here's the way a sample mini-day has looked in our business for decades. You spend the mornings making all of your calls, hitting your baseline, and creating your new units of activity. The afternoons should be spent on one-on-ones, recruiting one-on-ones, hiring interviews, fast starts, gener- like face-to-face with new people. If you're not meeting with people face-to-face, you've got to be prospecting and getting new names and numbers in the afternoon, not simply just making more calls to check some phony box. The evenings, you've got to be across the kitchen table meeting with people. You've got to be driving all over Kingdom Come in the evenings, every evening, that you're not, that you're not at a BPM while you're building the base shop. I don't care if you're seeing new clients, you're seeing existing clients, you're meeting with agents at their home and their spouse. You're, you're meeting with old agents. You've got to be across the kitchen table in the evenings. And it's like nightly. You've got to build that, the discipline, the habit, the, the emotional fortitude, the, the emotional energy tank of being out across the kitchen table meeting with new people every evening. Good markets, bad markets, I don't care where they live, how far away they are. I don't, You've got to be across the kitchen table sharpening your skills, fulfilling the mission of the company, serving people, and trying to build this thing. Afternoons, you've got to be like across the desk, across the conference room table, um, meeting with people one-on-one trying to recruit them, trying to sell the dream, trying to find out what they need. Um, I fill that in with breakfasts, lunches, cup of coffee at Starbucks, meeting with people anywhere and everywhere. That's my business. I'm in the business of meeting new people, telling them our story, telling them my story, helping them to get out of debt, helping them to save money, helping them to choose more wisely when it comes to their investments as far as um, indexed accounts and and how their money is taxed, protecting their families using term insurance and IUL, long-term care, like, I'm in the business of meeting with people. So my phone calls really should only be a few hours in the mornings, and that's creating activity for the afternoon and the evening. If I don't have activity in the afternoon, I need to create activity. 
there's so many people that you know that you can go meet for a lunch, a cup of coffee, uh, uh, an early lunch, and then a late lunch, and then an after lunch cup of coffee with somebody else, and then an early dinner or a cup of coffee after work at 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock. There's chamber events. And, but chamber events, understand this, it's for the purposes of you prospecting. There's too many people at chamber events, and they're just like building relationships. And when they actually talk to people from the chamber, the people of the chamber are putting, putting on this spin about how much they love their job when they don't. Like, you've got to be, like, actively prospecting, not just building friendships and relationships. So once again, how do I measure my day? It's, it's baseline units of activity, yes. But it's also new units of activity. How do I measure my weeks? My weeks are measured in how many confirmed guests did I have, how many actual guests did I have. How many recruits did I have? My, how are my weeks measured? How many appointments did I have scheduled? How many appointments did I run? Of the appointments that I ran, how many of those appointments were one-on-ones that led to guests and recruits? Of the appointments I ran, how many were ASAPs that led to data collects? How many of my data collects led to closes, right? That's how I'm measuring my weeks. Here's what I know. If you do the work and do the work intentionally, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. People get dismayed and stop making the calls, slow down on making the prospects, stop being accountable when they begin to lose a sense of hope and belief that it's going to work out for them. To me, the most important concept in that the game of numbers, that book by Nick Murray is the concept of it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. If I know I pull the handle on the slot machine 50,000 times, and somewhere in that 50,000 times, the, jet, the slot machine is guaranteed to produce a jackpot of a million dollars, I'm not going to lose hope. I'm not going to get distracted. I'm not going to slow down just because it hasn't happened yet for me in the number of times I'm pulling the slot machine handle. I'm not going to get discouraged. I'm not going to go play craps or go to a different slot machine or play the horses or, or play blackjack. I'm going to keep working that slot machine over and over with consistency and with the intention of knowing it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. I've just got to keep doing my work to the best of my ability. You wouldn't, like, sit there and pull the handle 50 times and go, well, my goal is 50, I'm done for the day, let me go jack around the rest of the day. Like you do everything you can with each and every waking moment of each day to milk as much out of that slot machine as you could today because if you didn't hit the jackpot today, the fact that you worked it so hard today, it gets me closer to hitting the jackpot tomorrow. You wouldn't pace yourself. You wouldn't slow down your efforts. You would do as much as you could. And you, wouldn't, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't sit on a webinar and learn about slot machines. You wouldn't go to a lunch and learn and spend three or four hours learning about slot machines. You wouldn't ask somebody else to pull the handle for you or expect somebody else to pull the handle for you. You'd spend as much time as you could each day getting yourself closer to that jackpot knowing it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. I believe this one of the most powerful affirmations you can tell yourself in life, whether it's building a big base shop and a big build business here, whether it's building a, a large passive residual income here, 
whether it's getting in great shape and losing weight and getting in great health, whether it's whatever it is for you, one of the best affirmations you can tell yourself is it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And creating the certainty and the knowing that this is going to happen for me. And then I'm going to keep pursuing it until it happens for me. So I wanted to have today's call with you because some of you it may not apply to, but it, it may not apply to, but it, it may very well apply to some of the people on your team and you're not even aware of it. You notice their call volumes dropping off. You notice their accountabilities dropping off. You notice it's been a couple of weeks since they've had some guests. Um, so you're you, like, pay attention to those things. Is it a skill set issue? Is it a confidence issue? Is it that they don't believe it's um, going to pay off anyway? So they're beginning to get distracted with more and more honeybees, more and more things to do at home. Um, they're feeling more and more tired when they get home from work. Hey, I got news for you. We all started part-time. We all worked 40 and 50-hour-a-week jobs. We all had lots of responsibilities at work. We all had responsibilities outside of work with our home and our churches and other responsibilities. We all had a lot going on. This business is designed for you as a part-timer to work at part-time and transition into full-time. The fact that you've got a job or that you're tired after work, what you're really telling me is you're uninspired. As much as you can't stand your day job or as much as you don't like the results that it's getting for you in life, the income, the lack of autonomy, evidently you don't hate it that much because when you get home, it's not that you're tired from your day job. You're uninspired. You're unmotivated. You just like you're more willing to accept your quote unquote plot in life, your circumstances, and throw up your hands like you have nothing that you can do to change it than you are to say, Hey, my you know what, my first shift is done. It's time for me to right double down and get after it. When you're inspired, when you want to change your circumstances, people that want to change their circumstances will move heaven and earth to change them. So I get that you're working a job you're disillusioned and not happy with and can be emotionally draining because of the bozos that you work with or for. Like, don't let that be an excuse that steals your dreams, that steals your purpose, that steals from you the chance to do something special for your family, right? Use that as, like, the, 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 the spur in your saddle. Use it as the thorn in your side that drives you. I can't wait till I get off of work because I'm going to make more calls, I'm going to invite more guests, I'm going to set up more appointments, because I'll be damned if I want to work at this place another day, let alone another week, another month, another year, another 10 years. And if I don't do something after work to change that, I'm going to be stuck here working a lot longer than I want to. I already want to be gone with this place. You've got to use that to drive you to work harder in the evenings and work harder in the weekends. Crud, some of you guys don't know the beginning of hard work. You're, you're so disillusioned that you're just like hiding in distractions. Man, it's, you can change your entire life. It's not going to change overnight, but you can start changing it tonight. You can start changing it tonight. And it's amazing. Just like starting an exercise program, it's amazing after a few weeks, like how much of a difference you can make as far as your level of optimism, your sense of control, your sense of autonomy, your level of confidence, your skills, how much a couple of months, like a couple of months you can see real differences. A couple of years you can change your entire life. I want that for you, but I can't do it for you. 
you've got to decide that your life is important enough to you and your family's life is important enough to you that you're not going to like the things in your life that you're dissatisfied with control you and distract you from the things in your life that really matter and you really want. I hope that helps a few of you leaders with your teammates. I hope that helps a few of you that are struggling with some of these areas. Love you guys. May's going to be awesome, going to be unbelievable. We're halfway through. I can't wait to finish out the month. Really looking forward to the Spring Sizzler. If you're not registered for the Spring Sizzler, get registered today. If you're not ready for the company convention, get registered today. I think I'm not, I'm not somebody will post this on GroupMe. Like I think that the cost of the convention is going up by like 50 bucks a ticket like in the next couple of days. Check that. If you haven't registered for a convention, I'd be in a panic about it. I'd get registered today. Get registered for our breakout meeting in Las Vegas. You're not going to want to miss that. It's going to be unbelievable. If you're in Southern California, get registered for our Spring Sizzler event in June. It's going to be unbelievable. Have a great weekend, every, everybody. Let's do everything you can tonight. Do everything you can tomorrow morning. Do everything you can tomorrow afternoon to begin to change things for you. Appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Have a great You've reached the Johnsons. We can't take your call right now, so leave us a message and we'll return your call as soon as we can. Thanks for calling and have a great day.